by the fifth or sixth session, they start saying, hang on, is this going to work? I don't even know <laughs> if this is going to work. And, and, they, and, and I start to see that they get a little impatient and a little bit worried that they might be wasting their time. Right. And then, and almost like clockwork by the seventh or eighth session, just a few more sessions, they come back saying, oh my God, I can't believe it. My girlfriend said, did I get plastic surgery or what am I doing? Did I get Botox? <laughs> and and so to me, I mean, it's funny, but it's like an example of like acupuncture is a gentle technique overall. And so it can take right. time. It has a cumulative effect. Welcome to Simple House Podcast. Acupuncture is an ancient Chinese healing practice, but it's gaining traction in U.S. today and going mainstream in medicine, according to an article published on Time, Health and Medicine section. Research on acupuncture has been extensive in the last decade. The National Institutes of Health finds that acupuncture for pain relief tends to have the most evidence, especially for conditions that have become chronic, like osteoarthritis, and lower back pain, as well as tension headaches. For cancer patients, research also shows acupuncture may help reducing many symptoms associated with cancer treatment, so cancer patients can live more comfortably and have a better quality of life. Many people who are looking for a non-pharmaceutical path for wellness also use acupuncture as a great alternative option. Today I talked to New York State licensed acupuncturist Paul Kempsey. Our conversation covered the philosophy behind acupuncture, how to assess the illness of patient, how to use needles, and its efficacy on pain management, depression, infertility, and as a complementary therapy for cancer patients. We also touched on cosmetic acupuncture in the end. The interview was fascinating, fun, and very informative. I enjoyed it a lot and I hope you will too. Today, I'm very excited to have Paul Kempsey on our show. Paul Kempsey is a New York State licensed acupuncturist, a board certified herbalist and Reiki master. Paul received his master's degree in traditional Chinese medicine from Pacific College of Oriental Medicine in New York. Pao has traveled previously to China to study in the specialties of oncology and gynecology. Now Pao resides in New York and has his private practice in Manhattan for 18 years. Pao has a website named aloveacupuncture.net. With his passion in acupuncture, he has helped thousands of patients seeking treatment of common ailments, gynecology, and fertility, as well as complementary care during and after orthodox cancer treatment. Powell is also the founder of PK's Herbs, which is a company combining the wisdom of Eastern medicine with botanicals from all over the world. The company's website is pksherbs.com, where you can also find some of his celebrity clients talking about his products. Paul believes the idea that a holistic approach extends to the balance of body, mind, emotions, and beyond. For this reason, he combines the use of acupuncture with herbs, aromatherapy, and Reiki to work collectively on patients' entire being. Hey, Paul, welcome to our Simple Health show. I'm much honored to have you on today's show. Hi, thanks for having me. 
we're going to dive right in. But before we talk about more specific about acupuncture, I'm going to step back a little bit and ask you a fundamental question. What are the main differences between the Western and Eastern medicine, in your opinion? Okay, um, that's a good question, Nina. Thank you. You know, like a good place to start with that question might be like, what are the similarities between Western medicine and Eastern medicine? And so like the similarities are both systems that are trying to use, you know, all the tools available for helping improve health, reduce symptoms, reduce suffering, people be happier and healthier um, in their lives. And they have many similarities in that, you know, they do try to, even though sometimes people think Eastern medicine and holistic medicine is more like whole body and Western medicine is a little bit more reductionist, but like in both systems, clinicians and physicians are try just trying to get their patients better you know, in, in whatever way possible. And some of the main differences are when these systems developed. So like, you know, Western medicine, kind of modern scientific-based medicine has really developed in the last couple hundred years, but really has focused on technology, um, nuclear medicine, you know, very precise and, and very invasive and intensive care, which is really important and incredible for many conditions. And Eastern medicine and Chinese medicine, including acupuncture, et cetera, developed, you know, some people trace it back to up to 5,000 years ago. And so think of that as a pre-modern, pre-scientific time where qualities and relationships between people, their lifestyle, their diet, their environment, et cetera, were a little bit more focused on then quantities like lab works and MRI results, CT scans, et cetera. Those slight differences, another thing that comes up, and we actually talked about this when we uh, had a chat earlier, is I think there's like a, a kind of a cultural and language difference as well. If we accept that both types of medicine are trying to improve the health and, and well-being of their patients, you know, some of the difference comes in how modern Westerners view the world and how they view reality and how they think about the body and then versus also how you know ancient Eastern Asian philosophers and thinkers and, and clinicians would think about the body. And this even comes down to, we talked a little about languages and how different languages might be easier or harder to learn um, to become fluent in that language. You know, when you look at, you know, the Western way we basically construct our thoughts and our words, etc. We have these letters of the alphabet that make up words and these words make up ideas. And in China, in Asian countries, you have these pictographs and each pictograph is unique and it holds a whole idea. And, and each, you know, it's not like there's 26 pictographs, there's like right. 10,000, right? And yeah. so this like a very different way of looking at reality and looking at the body. And I think both of those lend themselves to kind of a different kind of medical outcome or medical approach. I think in from an Eastern point of view, kind of looking at an entire picture and looking at a whole concept without trying to divide it. I mean, really, I guess that's the precursor for holistic medicine. And an and Eastern medicine practitioner is trying to understand what's going on underneath the symptoms, what's going on underneath the diagnosis or the condition, what's the environment, the whole body environment of the patient or the person, and trying to understand that and influencing that and correcting that and kind of, you know, giving advice or treatment or dietary suggestions or whatever it may be, but to try to change, you know, change and improve this environment so that the, the symptom or the illness has a harder time to manifest. And then I think in Western medicine, you know, it's a symptoms forward model where if a patient has a symptom, then, you know, you try to address the symptom and there's not a whole lot of differentiation between 
eradicating, curing, or suppressing the symptom, but it's about, you know, how to alleviate that suffering. Um, but And both systems have their strengths and weaknesses. You know, for instance, I often have joked and said, you know, acupuncture isn't the best treatment for a gunshot wound. You know, like <laughs> in that case, you'd better go to the hospital and get a scan and get a transfusion and have sutures and, and et cetera. Right. But I, I think a lot of times Western medicine um, isn't always ideal, uh, the ideal approach for chronic functional disorders where, you know, if you stop taking a, a suppressive medication or, or a symptom management, uh, you know, anti-inflammatory or steroid or what have you, then those symptoms come back um, because the underlying, you know, disharmonies or dysfunctions are not being addressed. So um, to me, I'd say like those are kind of some of the ideas I think about when we ask a question, like what is the difference between Eastern and Western medicine? So it sounds like that uh, Western and Eastern medicines, they're derived from different cultures, from different philosophies. Yeah. As you said that uh, Eastern medicine and uh, Western medicine, they have all pros and cons, right? So they can be better address different illness. I did see saying that acupuncture is considered as like safe, gentle and effective alternative to drugs or surgery. Yeah, I mean, so we, we, we see this sometimes and, and like, you know, so acupuncture, sometimes, you know, a person comes in and I've had cases where a person came in and said, listen, I have a hip replacement surgery scheduled mm-hmm. in six weeks and I yeah. want to get some acupuncture to, you know, help myself get ready for surgery. And interestingly, in that six weeks time, we, you know, I treat them, you know, with, with full effort, full attention, trying to support their system, boost their immunity, you know, and, and obviously deal with the pain that they're having mm-hmm. while they're waiting for the surgery. And I, I've seen that that has led to cases where the person at, at the six week mark decided, actually, I don't think I need a hip replacement <laughs> surgery. I, I feel a lot better and, and I can walk and I can play sports. You know, and, you know, this is a phenomenal and gratifying experience to have as a clinician. And sometimes, you know, a person comes in with a discomfort, a pain, and acupuncture helps, but temporarily, and that, you know, that pain, because there's a, you know, maybe a joint is worn out, or maybe, you know, there's, there's a tear or some scar tissue or a prior injury. And so, you know, the pain comes back. And at that point, the differentiation of you know, the usefulness of acupuncture versus Western medicine is, mm-hmm. you know, a person could use a, a pain pill or an anti-inflammatory every single day, or they can use acupuncture once a week. And ultimately, neither of those might make the arthritis go away, but they both help control the, you know, the discomfort, they help the patient have a, you know, a fulfilled lifestyle and be active mm-hmm. and, and do the things they want to do. And so it comes down to a choice of like, you know, what do you prefer? Do you prefer to um, you know, stimulate your body with acupuncture needles to to feel better, or as a person prefer to take a pill and 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 be done with it and not have to do extra. And, and again, pros and cons and strengths and weaknesses, I think, to both of those approaches. Yeah, it's amazing. So I I believe that acupuncture probably works quite differently from Western medicine, right? From you're taking a pill, painkiller. You also mentioned needles. So mm-hmm. how does really acupuncture work? Okay, so the start of this question, I think, goes back a little bit to what we were saying earlier, just the, like the vastly different culture and philosophy coming from ancient Asian society versus modern Western society. And before we had MRIs and before all the elements of the uh, periodic table were discovered um, in, in Eastern philosophy, they used to believe that the body was made up of 
you know, these pure elements, you know, and in modern, uh, you know, modern parlance, we think of carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen as right. the building blocks of carbon life. Ancient Chinese medicine, they felt it was qi, blood, yin and yang. That, you know, they felt there was these fun- functional and structural um, elements that like you could reduce everything in a human body to the presence and interplay of qi, blood, yin and yang and when they encountered symptoms or disharmony of a disease in a patient um, they would be you know the whole system of chinese medicine is about categorizing well you have a headache or if you have you know bleeding hemorrhoids or if you have a painful period or high blood pressure you know what are all the other symptoms associated with that how do you sleep how do you poop What's your body temperature? Do you have a rash? Mm-hmm. Any any funny flavors or tastes or smells that the patient is having? And when you when we ask all our you know seemingly unrelated questions, the Chinese medicine practitioner is able to differentiate. Like, okay, what's the condition of the qi, blood, yin and yang? Like, which, you know, which one is excessive? Which one is deficient? Which one is blocked? How are they compensating for one another? How are they interacting with one another? And the and the meaningfulness of that is that every acupuncture point and every kind of intervention within the system of Chinese medicine is also categorized in 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 terms of how it influences qi blood yin and yang so if you have a patient who is deficient and depleted in qi or their vital energy then you know you'll be choosing acupuncture points primarily that stimulate the qi and boost the qi and help the body be, become more economic with the way it uses qi and if that person um, has a, a you know a condition that is predominated by like a stagnation of blood, you'll choose acupuncture points or herbal remedies that help promote circulation and microcirculation and and reduce stagnant blood flow. And so it's almost like that game Tetris where the pieces fit together and, you know, those lines erase and as you know, as you make the blocks connect, you, you can make a diagnosis in the vocabulary of Chinese medicine and being able to convert symptoms into that vocabulary also gives you an immediate ability to translate into an action plan with acupuncture points. And that's actually a huge differentiator from Western medicine, because if even if you don't have an exact diagnosis, like you don't necessarily know exactly what kind of headache, exactly what kind of colitis, or exactly what you know kind of uh, rash a person might have on the skin, um, the beauty of Chinese medicine is you go a few steps back, you go upstream to the symptoms, you look at the underlying environment, you understand that person's environment, and you have these tools of understanding the interplay of qi, blood, yin and yang. And once you are able to categorize it and understand the patient in that way, you actually can sidestep the necessity of a diagnostic, a single diagnostic word or term or what have you, and you choose the points and you choose the herbs that help correct that environment. And you know, many, many times just correcting the underlying disharmony and deficiency and stagnation and what have you helps the person overcome those symptoms. In Western medicine, it's sometimes when you cannot get a, an exact um, diagnosis or a diagnostic term, it becomes right. hard to have a meaningful treatment plan. Right. So is that uh, correct to say that acupuncture kind of work with the energy flow of our human body? And yeah. uh, um, you have those acute points on the path of the energy flow and uh, you have needles to address if anything, any issues. Yeah. So the primary concept in acupuncture is that 
the, the proper functions of your body are defined by the movement of chi or vital energy throughout your mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. and any abnormalities or, or changes in proper functioning a result of some sort of aberration of that energy flow and so yeah all, all the acupuncture points are, are categorized as with regards to how they influence the chi how they influence the movement of their energy but it also goes to that chi blood yin and yang to all of those kind of vital you know th- those vital entities in the body the w- way i think about it is like the whole body like every living system is full of vital energy right. like it's not like a person only has uh, chi or energy in an acupuncture point area like the whole body right. is like you know is an ocean of chi an ecosystem of chi mm-hmm. but there are certain areas that are like particularly sensitive and particularly responsive when stimulated almost like you know if you if you were tickled as a child in one area, it's not so sensitive. But if you're tickled in another area, it's right. so sensitive and you're laughing so hard because that area is, is is a more sensitive, more reactive, responsive area. And that's kind of what acupuncture points are. The the like these landmarks in the body that for you know for a variety of reasons um, happen to be you know very sensitive, very responsive, mm-hmm. and can and when stimulated, they can induce you know, some sort of change in the body, but it doesn't have to be needles. You know, you know, you can massage and stimulate acupuncture points with pressure. You can heat them. People even now in modern times, people use laser devices to stimulate acupuncture points. And of course, needles are the traditional way. In terms of this question, though, I find myself a lot of times when people ask me, hey, how does acupuncture work? <laughs> uh, especially like in New York City, especially in a, a very Western culture and right. with people from all over the world and not including Asia, a lot of people don't really have an inherent appreciation for the meaning of, of these terms of chi, of yin, yang, etc. I mean, everyone knows what blood is, but but chi, yin and yang, they're kind of like difficult to pin down because you know everyone has a slightly different and almost like an incomplete idea of of what they might mean based on that person's experience it's like the five people the five blind guys touching the elephant one blind guy's touching the trunk the other blind guy's touching the tail another guy's touching the belly and then the other guy's touching the feet or the ears they put some you know they have a a different feeling about what an elephant is but it's like it's a kind of a partial understanding so a lot of times i actually don't lean so heavily on the traditional vocabulary of, mm-hmm. of, of acupuncture and, and Chinese medicine. I'll, I'll, I'll kind of try to explain it to people, the functionality in basic physiological terms. And so what I know for sure is that when I use acupuncture needles or a, on a person, I'm injuring that person, a tiny little injury on their skin. It doesn't hurt. You know, sometimes people feel something, but generally it doesn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there's no collateral damage. It's not like falling off your bicycle and scraping your knee mm-hmm. or, you know, or getting hit by a ball or something like that. Right. But nonetheless, when the body is injured, even in that microscopic way, its alert system goes on, its survival mechanism goes on. And, and the primitive part of the body that is ensuring our survival in this, you know, fairly harsh and difficult world, it turns on overdrive and it adapts and responds and reacts. And it and it's like, oh God, you know, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And and it tries to adapt to the stimulation, to the small injuries of the needles. And these adaptations, these are you know, this is kind of what encompasses the the you know positive responses we see with acupuncture. The body trying to adapt in that moment to a stimuli that it feels is potentially harmful or dangerous, or at least 
unsettling and 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 the body responds mm-hmm. and you know 5000 years of chinese medicine lets us know well which points should we stimulate or injure right. which points do we use to induce a response right when you have patient coming are they normally referred by their primary doctors or they just come in and say i have this problem i don't think my primary doctor will fix could you diagnose it to see what's going on okay so um earlier on when i was practicing and acupuncture was a little less mainstream than it is now um, <laughs> okay very few doctors were referring to us, maybe one or two primary care doctors, you know, a couple of oncologists, cancer mm-hmm. doctors would refer mm-hmm. to, to my office. But most people came in because the husband or the wife or the sister or the co-worker or someone, you know, recommended acupuncture and, and, and they give, you know, my name or someone, you know, another acupuncturist name who they like. Mm-hmm. And then that person goes and gives it a try. In in general, I think most people understand that like the limitations of of Chinese medicine and a and a Chinese medicine practitioner in terms of of, of an official diagnosis. Like we, you know, we I, generally when people come in. I can have a a pretty detailed discussion about what's going on with their symptoms right. and what we think might be a kind of a diagnostic. Uh, jurisdiction or neighborhood to think about <laughs> but you but usually like you know uh, if someone has something more than a simple ache or strain we, we'll want them to go see the regular doctor get blood work get the right. ct scan uh-huh. see what's going on and and that way we can be more precise and and that's actually a place where eastern medicine with acupuncture and herbs and western medicine work really well together because some right. some people you know they're not fond of modern medicine they're not fond of pharmaceuticals they're not fond of the idea of surgery but right. they get all, all their diagnostic information from the doctor or the hospital mm-hmm. uh, but then they take that information and they they kind of cobble together a treatment plan that right. that resonates with them and for some chronic conditions you know having acupuncture be an option is really important for them i want to look at example let's say it's a patient comes in today and uh he would just say he has a lower back pain, right? And uh, how do you understand if the acupuncture will help him? Or if so, how do you know where to use those uh, needles? Is that just lower back? Or how many of those needles are you going to use? Uh, how, how do you make those uh, decisions? Okay, someone comes in with a lower back pain. I know very likely that they will have some needles in, in their lower back, but it's actually, it's not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll ask them, especially if it's the first visit ever coming to an acupuncture clinic or to my clinic, I'll ask them a lot of questions um, in the intake. I take a full history and just to get a sense of, you know, anything else going on, any not obvious reasons why they might be having back pain. You know, there could be a variety of reasons other than a sprained muscle or a sports injury. Every time I see a person, I'll look at their tongue. And every time I see a person, I'll take their pulse. And in Chinese medicine, tongue and pulse diagnosis is super important. It, it gives us an additional layer of information. When we look at the tongue, the way I just kind of explain it to people, it's kind of like if you're buying uh, you know, a piece of fresh fish or a piece of fresh meat and you go to the store, you, you kind of look at the ones and you see which ones are shining and fresh and glistening. And you're like, oh, that looks delicious. And then you and then you look at the ones that sometimes just look kind of gross and gray and dry. And you're like, oh, my God, that doesn't look very delicious at all. And so, you know, we, we look at the tongue and get a sense of like, what's the, what's the likely condition of the fleshy interior? The tongue is a fleshy organ of the in, right. in, interior of the body. We can see it easily. And so we can infer a little bit about what else is going on inside their body. So we look at the color, 
any marks or cracks or fissures on the tongue. We look at the coating. We look at the size and the swelling of the tongue. There's a, there's a variety of markers that we look at to give us an idea of like, okay, what, what's what's the underlying situation? And, and each of those findings on the tongue, for instance, we're trained as Chinese medicine clinicians to also translate that into like, well, what does that tell me about the condition of the qi and the blood and the yin and the yang, right? And then that further allows me to translate into action plan with point selections, et cetera. And then we also feel the pulse. And a lot of people are surprised that we, when we take the pulse as acupuncturists, we're not as interested in only how many beats per minute. We're trying to feel like, what does it feel like? Like, does it feel like a piece of like dry spaghetti or overcooked spaghetti? When we press, does the pulse push back or does it, uh, does it uh, disappear? And like, what's the responsiveness of the smooth muscles and the blood vessels. And, and that, we, and that's, you know, that's a skill we learn in acupuncture school. And, and, you know, once you leave and you, you know, you see patients and, you know, you get the chance to really refine that skill as you understand, like, you know, how different pulses respond, uh, reflect, sorry, uh, different conditions in the body. And so just like the tongue, the pulse gives us that extra layer of information. Um, you know, it kind of lets us know, like, apart from the points on the back, that, you know, say there's a spasm in the back. So quite likely you'll try to like almost like a massage therapist, you'll palpate, you'll feel their back, you'll listen mm -hmm. to where what they're telling you and where they're directing you. And you try to find that and you you know apply the acupuncture points there to release the spasm and bring circulation to the area and, you know, and start a kind of a controlled response, you know, in terms of that kind of adaptation from small acupuncture injuries. But they'll also, you know, a person coming in for back pain, they're also going to notice points on their ankles and points on their wrists and and certainly like on the upper legs the hamstrings you know the IT band etc because all of those areas either directly through a, a muscle or a nerve or, or what have you or even a, just a circulatory path can influence the low back and and one case where a person might not get any points in their back even though they're coming for back pain is if it's so acute if it's so inflamed that even touching it you, you know with, with a fingertip is impossible and they certainly can't even lay down on an acupuncture table mm -hmm. in those cases we we might use entirely what we call distal points points on the arms and legs um, okay. maybe on the ears and and sometimes even starting a session like that creates enough temporary relief that then that patient can be a little bit more mobile, they can lay down on the, on the acupuncture table, and then they can proceed to the more traditional treatment. In a case that's the pain is very acute, and the patient even couldn't like sit uh, or lie down. Do you think that patient can, after you put some needles on him, do you think he can uh, be able to lie down in the same sessions or normally you expect him to come back and then he's able to lie down for you to put needles on his back? Impossible to say, but most of the time uh, they're able to proceed to the kind of part two of the treatment on the same visit. Once in a while, it, you know, it's just too painful for them. But in a case like that, you know, years ago, I learned this uh, acupressure technique uh, that originated in Korea. Mm -hmm. and, you, and you use a, a little pen, like a little metallic stylus that's like a pen, and you press on these points on the hand. And you got to press pretty hard, like it's it's pretty intensive. It's a, it's much more intense than acupuncture with needles, but it, but it's not breaking the skin. It's just acupressure. And this Korean acupressure technique on the hands and sometimes the feet is so effective 
that that's the one that if a person can barely make it inside my door and they, they you know they certainly are, are not capable of laying down that's the one I'll I'll often use to help them you know get through that kind of wall of pain and intense sensitivity the fun name I have for it is the pen of death <laughs> So when you make those decisions, there's any, do you also have to figure out how dips or is that's not always the same, same deep? Uh, so with that, with that acupressure technique, depth isn't really a, a factor. It's just the amount of pressure. And, and I know that um, there's that, there's this kind of line of intensity or mm-hmm. that it, it needs to be really intense in order mm-hmm. to release the pain immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously you have to also make it, you know, palatable to the patient. And, you know, sometimes right. they're breathing heavily during that acupressure technique. With the needles, um, when you are applying acupuncture needles to different points of the body, then yes, absolutely. You know, there's very strict criteria for for the depth and the angle of insertion and the position. And the part of that is the training we get to make sure that we give people safe treatments and effective treatments and we know what we're doing. I have some friends, they really swear by acupuncture. Um, One of them, uh, he told me that uh, he had very bad back pain. And also after migraine, the acupuncture really fixed him. So he doesn't have that problem anymore. And also, I know a lot of celebrities, they swear by acupuncture too. WHO, they recognize acupuncture as an effective tool for many different ailments. Based on the data of the patients you have seen during your 18 years at your clinic, do you see certain ailments, acupuncture works better than the others? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's definitely certain things and that acupuncture is just exceptionally effective for. And there's certain things that it's not that effective for. But, mm-hmm. you know, the conversation then comes with like, you know, a patient might come in with a very difficult condition or an incurable condition or what have you. Mm-hmm. And and I'll just tell them, look, I, I, you know, acupuncture might not be effective for your chief complaint, but all these additional symptoms and functional dis- discomforts and dysfunctions, et cetera, sorry, that you have with this main diagnosis, you know, acupuncture may be able to help those. So even though it might, acupuncture may not change the trajectory of their grand diagnosis it can actually make a, a significant improvement in their quality of life and living so i mean that's kind of one interesting point an important point to make another is like the concept of the bell curve the bell curve basically describes the likelihood of outcomes in all kinds of phenomena and definitely pertains to acupuncture there are some people on one extreme of the bell curve who are just exceptional responders you know a very simple a technique relatively low dose um, of acupuncture, you know, not too intensive, not too many treatments. And and that person has really remarkable results, remarkable outcomes. And on the up opposite end of the, the other end of the bell curve, there's, you know, the few people who are just, you know, poor responders, acupunctures, for whatever reason, not the ideal methodology for them mm-hmm. to, uh, to make meaningful changes in their condition. But in the middle of the bell curve, where most people find themselves, acupuncture is a positive, good, linear treatment option. And as they, you know, they get several sessions for, say, a pain or a dysfunction, they experience a gradual and linear improvement. And, you know, and this is what we like to see. This is, you know, important. In terms of kinds of conditions that acupuncture is, that I've noticed it's really good for, 
I mean, the bread and butter, I think, of most private practice acupuncturists is pain, right? We, you know, we have people with knee pain, back pain, neck pain, headaches, painful periods, etc. Like acupuncture is just very, very good for right. treating pain. Um, and there's another category of conditions that I see acupuncture is pretty good for, and they're called like functional conditions. So like there's not a tumor there's not an infection, there's not a tear, there's not a blockage, there's not something that your primary care doctor or a surgeon or oncologist or someone can address. Um, and so people with functional conditions, what they hear a lot is like from their doctor is like, hey, I can't find anything wrong with you. I, we don't understand why you're having debilitating headaches every day or terrible periods every month or terrible colitis and, and digestion all the time. And, and so these people still have to deal with these symptoms and these dysfunctions, but they don't have an action path forward. And I've, I, I've observed that acupuncture is fantastic for these kinds of patients. And I think it goes to what I was saying earlier, that even though there might not be a linear kind of science-based action plan for their treatment, if we take a few steps back and go upstream in their condition, and we try to figure out, well, what's the disharmony in their environment, in their body? What's the chi, blood, yin, and yang? And we try to kind of positively manipulate those disharmonies to, and restore, you know, appropriate functioning. That process I've seen to be like in, actually pretty incredible for those people. Mental health is getting a lot of attention recently. Mm -hmm. So do you see some of your patients come to your clinic, say, for depression, anxiety? Yeah. So in that category, depression, anxiety, stress, right. and insomnia, poor sleep, those, those are pretty kind of common and popular mm -hmm. reasons why I'll see people. And, and actually, quite frankly, a lot of people who even come in with the simple back pain or the neck pain or, or what have you, and we treat them two, three, five times, whatever, you know, whatever it takes to make a change in that original chief complaint those people, many of them, they also report like, you know what, I actually feel like my sleep is a bit better. My stress feels a little less crippling. My anxiety is a little bit better. So a lot of times those people recognize those kind of less obvious, less linear benefits of acupuncture, and they may actually continue to come intermittently or seasonally, at least to kind of get what we call a tune-up to try to you know help their mood, help their stress response, help their energy levels. And, and yeah, so that's pretty common. You studied the specialty of gynecology, right? Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the fertility. Mm -hmm. I know that some of the celebrities, they, for example, Mariah Carey, she reportedly benefits from acupuncture to get pregnant. Mm -hmm. Why acupuncture can really help with that area? Okay. Um, I, I think it goes a little bit towards the, you know, correcting underlying disharmonies and imbalances working on functional disorders and helping the body you know function better mm -hmm. and it you know it, it's a little cliche to say but we don't exactly understand how and why acupuncture works for each specific condition but but the ones that it's very good for we know it does right but you know there's an, a number of theories that's why i try and keep it simple with the what right. i know i'm doing is i'm giving you little injuries and your body is reacting and responding right. and adapting to these but in the early 2000s there was a couple of research papers that came out showing that acupuncture basically doubled the success rate of IVF. Wow. And, and in those first trials, I mean, they were only measuring like two acupuncture treatments on the day of the embryo transfer. And if you think about IVF is a 10 to $20,000 procedure and process, acupuncture is a few hundred dollars 
procedure and process and you can mm-hmm. almost like an insurance policy you can double the success rate of this you know pretty invasive pretty complicated and involved intervention i mean that's pretty incredible and going to one of your earlier questions as acupuncture starts started becoming you know progressively more mainstream it was in fact actually a lot of ivf clinics and reproductive endocrinologists that were sending a lot of their patients to whatever the local acupuncturist was, because mm-hmm. they knew also, because a lot of IVF clinics, the, their bread and butter is is their statistics. Like, what is their success rate? How many yeah. live births, right? And so when they started seeing those re, those peer-reviewed research papers, and, and there's been many now, and, and, you know, and they've tried different protocols and had different results, et cetera. But when you can double the success rate of your own clinic, that's that's a good arrangement so that's one way that we you know we we kind of caught the attention of the western medical community how about cancer patients uh do you see cancer patients yeah i do so i mean talking about cancer patients especially in america is like you know a little bit delicate in general when when someone calls me and asks for alternative or holistic care during cancer treatment I'll, you know, I'll tell them that they can probably expect to have a little more energy, less nausea, less pain, et cetera, and just kind of a, a little bit more feeling of vitality as they're going through their chemotherapy and radiation. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the, I've seen many remarkable things in my clinic over the last couple of decades. You know, there's patients who are doing everything that their oncologist tells them to do the chemotherapy, the surgery, the radiation, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as the months go by, you know, their tumors are not responding, you know, they're gradually declining, tumors are growing, their health is worsening. And when they, when they, you know, as a, almost like a last ditch effort, they come, you know, or maybe the recommendation of a friend, they come for acupuncture, they take herbs, you know, those patients, we often right. recommend herbs and supplements, and you know, we right. know what we're doing. Um, this is not like a health food store clerk giving them advice about what to do. And I've seen many times that those patients at the next CT scan, the report is like, oh, my God, we can't believe something's different, something's changed, it stopped growing, or it's shrunken, etc. And at that point, even though oncologists are usually pretty cautious about recommending their patients do alternative therapies because, you know, they're, they're not as reputably studied as Western nuclear medicine and Western oncological interventions. A lot of times the feedback I get is oncologist says, keep doing whatever you're doing because it's, it's the thing that has, maybe it's the hay that broke the camel's back, but it's the thing that start to move the needle in the right direction. And also to me, that's extremely gratifying and, yes, and yeah. uplifting to see those kind of responses. Right. Our body just responded uh, differently, right? Sometimes it's they don't respond to the Western medicine, but uh, mm. the alternative uh, Eastern medicine, they responded better. You know, I mean, the way the way I think about it in that case is, you know, the I, I love Western medicine, by the way. I'm not one of these alternative medicine people that tries to con- convince and confuse people about mm-hmm. the value of Western medicine, especially in in, in oncology cases and cancers and tumors, et cetera, like if you had to choose one, I would honestly say choose Western medicine. It, right. It's it's a stronger, it's a more mm-hmm. aggressive treatment and mm-hmm. it comes with, you know, more collateral damage, but it but right. it is it is a more appropriate singular treatment. However, it has blind spots. It has elements of, of health and wellness and well-being of the patient that it doesn't address. And, you know, when if someone does not have enough vitality, if their immune system is just too depleted and incapable, they, those patients have a hard time responding to even the best Western oncology care. So I, I, I believe that some, you know, those cases, they kind of constitute the people that we can help the most.
Mm-hmm. Next thing I want to talk about is uh, cosmetic acupuncture. You see those uh, celebrities, right, post their facial acupuncture photos on social media. Mm-hmm. Is that really working or just is that for the younger skin or just for the relaxation? If you have a patient coming to get a younger skin, younger look. Yeah, so, you know, I, I have a general practice and even though I see a lot of fertility in gynecology patients, I see a lot of pain, I see a lot of cancer patients, I see a, a bit of everything. <laughs> And, and I've def- and I've definitely uh, you know, I've trained in the what we call the facial rejuvenation, and I've given those treatments, and I I can say the results seem to be pretty legitimate. Again, if if you think about acupuncture and the way I was describing it earlier, it's tiny injuries, and and when a part of your body is injured, um, it it gets more circulation, it gets more nutrients, collagen is created to heal those injury sites, and so if you you know when you if you see a a facial rejuvenation acupuncture session, there's a lot of needles on the face. Yeah. Every, yeah. every nook and cranny, every <laughs> line, every wrinkle, et cetera. It, I mean, it almost looks like a, like a, a science fiction movie. And, and, and they'll have acupuncture points in the rest of their body as well. Cause you, you can't have healthy skin if your body is not healthy because your skin is your largest organ. Right. That's right. But, uh, but like just on the principle of stimulating the body's wound healing response and, and collagen uh, creation, circulation, etc. If you understand that, then it, it's not a leap to then appreciate that a facial acupuncture can be helpful. And usually when people come in, and it's, sometimes it's younger people, it's usually females, sometimes males, um, sometimes younger people, but usually middle-aged to slightly older aged females towards retirement age mm-hmm. who, who are wanting to, you know, do what they can, whatever's in the, you know, available toolbox to look their best and feel good and, and what have you. And a lot of times I've noticed that like they'll come in and they, they do weekly sessions or twice a week for, for mm-hmm. that process. By the fifth or sixth session, they start saying, hang on, is this going to work? Is, I don't even know if this is going to work. And, and, they, and, and I start to see that they get a little impatient and a little bit worried that they might be wasting their time. Right. And then and almost like clockwork by the seventh or eighth session, just a few more sessions, they come back saying, oh, my God, I can't believe it. My girlfriend said, did I get plastic surgery or what am I doing? Did I get Botox? And, and so to me, I mean, it's funny, but it's like an example of like acupuncture, is a gentle technique overall. And so it can take right. time and has a cumulative effect. So even right. though we might be able to release a back spasm or a neck spasm in one or two treatments, right. um, more constitutionally, you know, uh, corrective treatments, they can take time to, to really show the effects. So what's the magic number sevens or it's probably different from different uh, patient, different conditions. Right? I mean, for the, for the facial acupuncture, the uh-huh. seventh or eighth session is usually the one where it becomes pretty obvious that they're doing something. Um, but we usually recommend people come for a little bit longer just so they can consolidate and, right. you know, and, and get even you know more improvement. Okay. I think we have covered a lot today. We're already gonna schedule like half a uh, half an hour, right? It's uh, right yeah. now it's almost an hour, uh, but I still have a lot of questions. But uh, I'm just going to respect your time here. Uh, before we wrap up today's show, do you think we miss any important aspect of acupuncture that you want to add before we finish here? Um, no, I mean I, I'd say as an acupuncturist who has seen, you know, 
Americans or at least New Yorkers, you know, over the last two decades gradually become a, a little bit more open and embracing alternative mm-hmm. things. I would probably just say if, you know, if someone is curious about it or if, you know, if they're like not sure if it's the thing for them, it's not such a big leap. You know, it's not like such a big deal. It's not like having a major surgery or even a minor surgery. And, you know, and uh, they don't, you know, someone doesn't know. It it might be something that can be quite helpful for either treating a a symptom or a condition or even just improving their well-being, you know, helping their stress levels and energy levels, et cetera. So I, I think it's a very portable and a very, you know, almost potentially universally option for people, Mm -hmm. kind of like exercise and good diet. You know, everyone can pretty much benefit from exercise and good diet. And I think acupuncture, you know, if administered by, you know, a skilled, trained professional um, can give most people some benefits. Okay, cool. So if our audience, especially those that who live in New York City, so if they want to get a hold of you or uh, uh, contact you to get more information, so what's the best way to contact you? People can email, they can text, they can call. I'm okay. sure you have the information right. on your Okay, on, on I'll list all the information yeah. or yeah, show notes. Fine. Okay. Thank you so much, Paul, for our great conversation today. I really learned a lot and enjoyed very much. I definitely want to, if your time's allowed, invite you back to our show, maybe talk about more about herbs. I know that's your another passion and uh, it's part of your holistic approach. Yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to. Thank you, Nina. <laughs> Thank you for your time with me today. I'm really looking forward to talk to you soon. Thanks, Nina. If you enjoyed today's episode and you think others may benefit from it too, please share this show wisdom. If you like to check out acupuncture, please make sure to consult your primary doctor first. Thank you for tuning in today, and we will see you next time. Thank you.